0: Thank you. And Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena.
1: I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Mark. So, guys, all right. Listen, let's talk a little bit here. If you like this podcast, you know what you got to do. What, what do you got- I don't know. Oh, they know what they got to do. Uh, they better by now. Yeah. The question is will they? Yeah. All right. I'll just I'll say just, I'll just say, it. I'll just say <laughs> in case people don't know what I'm talking about, you gotta share it, guys. You gotta you gotta tell all your friends. You gotta go on iTunes. Go on whatever. Do we figure out this? Is there an Android thing for this? Because um, I yeah, I'm very specific I asked my to Apple. Son about that, and yeah. he said that there's not one for Google. There's gotta be. Well, how did, he said how there did wasn't. Android people listen that. About? I don't know. I'm so ignorant to they this go stuff. To the cell I cell phone no and idea. Store.
0: They return their Android phone. That's for right. An oh, this is not an
1: Apple commercial. <laughs> and then. Oh my gosh. So, what, whatever, ne- whatever you listen to it, please rate and review it. It helps us. Helps it, content gets out, get out, and uh, helps you too. Yeah. Because we'll
0: keep on doing it. Because we know more people <laughs> like it. That's, that's or right. We'll quit.
1: <laughs> or else we'll quit. Or <laughs> else we we we'll quit. sadness. We will just ne- take our microphones, and go home. Uh, yeah. We will never
0: quit. So, so rate and review. <laughs> please Rate and review us. <laughs> yeah. So we had um, we had a question from a listener. It was a good question, uh, but they wanted to know what we meant in an episode when we said that we are not reformed, big R reforms.
1: Yes. Right. I asked I asked this like four months ago. Yeah, but we ignore you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we love you. We just ignore you. Yeah, listener. We keep you around for talking about it. Well, yeah, but he's listening to
0: give rates and reviews. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, well no, one can, well,
1: no one can do it like that, I guess.
0: Huh. <laughs> so anyways, we got a question from someone who wanted to know what we meant by the fact that we stated that we're not big or reformed, uh, And so we gave him a short and brief answer. Mm-hmm. But we thought that we would do a podcast or an episode here on just explaining ourselves. But we also
1: want to encourage people that if they do have a question. Send it to we, us. We, yeah. yeah. I, I was thrilled that he sent it. Um, I was very happy to explain. He was really nice, too. He's like, that. that's very helpful. And so I said, you know, we'll even do a podcast. So if he's listening, he should be smiling because he's the one making us.
0: It's devoted but, to him.
1: Yeah, it's devoted to him. What's well, we had a, I can't remember where we could play like hold a song. On,
0: hold on, Oh, <laughs> this is too difficult. On my no,
1: because <laughs> it's on the iTunes one, I think. No, it would be under the questions in Facebook, wouldn't it? Mm. Comments. So now we're going to just waste Mark Dever. So here's da, where you. are going to make it a Mark Dever Here's So you da, hit that 15 da, second. Da, deal. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, no. I can't
0: pronounce his name. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Uh, just give his first name. Mm, Do this the, the hard one. Do the best you can. <laughs> last one is his last name is Fulcher.
1: Fulcher? Spell and it. His first name
0: is H U W.
1: Oh, I think that's Hui. Hui. I
0: okay.
1: think. I think.
0: I'm sorry if we said your name wrong, but this is completely for
1: you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for doing that. Anyhow.
0: So we're gonna start with a question. And the question is, do you think that you are reformed or would you call yourself a Calvinist or that you believe in Calvinism? And we just want you to think about that question as we work through this episode.
1: All right. So good question. Would you call yourself a Calvinist or a Reformed? Because we see people throwing that term all the time. So there's a bit of a background to this whole thing because back in 2007 at the Shepherds Conference, John MacArthur uh, had a keynote uh, message and he had, I think, Mark Dever there, uh, R.C. Sproul, and I can't remember one other guy, Ligon Duncan, I think. And they're all Reformed uh, to varying degrees. And he got up and basically preached a message that said and its title was why every self-respecting calvinist is a premillennialist and i i laughed when he did it um it was classic john and the internet just exploded um i remember going over pardon those are fighting words oh yeah and i went to the puritan board where you know they're they're just freaking on this but what was interesting was uh One specific theologian, uh, very respected, his name is Kim, I think it's pronounced Riddlebarger. I'm happy to be uh, corrected. He responded in a very helpful manner. He said that basically the problem here is that MacArthur is not a Calvinist and he's not Reformed. And so his answer to it was instead of trying to answer uh, the points that John made, which I thought were really good... um, He's like, first of all, you just understand that John MacArthur is not a Calvinist and he's not Reformed. Um, now I agree with MacArthur's position on that. I th- I. What I found interesting is all the people I heard that responded to John, none of them actually dealt with the core arguments yeah. of his message. Um, and so I would love if somebody even knows of a place where somebody actually dealt point by point with John's points, that would be helpful, but I never found one. Um, but I also appreciated Dr. Riddlebarker because it helped shed light rather than merely heat on the issue, which most people were doing. And, and his response helped me understand why I also resist be, being called a Calvinist. We get called that all the time. Are you yeah, Calvinist? Right. Yeah. And for the sake of argument, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just say yes. But I almost always say, depending on how you understand that. Um, And I don't like to be called it because immediately certain presuppositions are now yours that you're expected to own. Um, That's why we say at times in our podcast that we are reformed in our theology, but we're not big R in the formal sense reformed in our theology. So that's what we're going to do in this podcast. We want to explain what we mean when we talk about being reformed because we're not using it in the technical sense, right? Right. So... so what is meant by
0: reform? That's the question we're putting out there. And so, one of the one of the ways to answer this is just in its colloquial sense, right? Or in its common, the common way it's used. Um, and this is easiest to answer because it's so broad in many ways. Uh, many people call themselves reformed because they believe in one way or another what's commonly referred to or called the five points of Calvinism.
1: The tulips. Yeah, tulips. Some will say, you know, oh, I'm you know, I'm four of the five or something like that. Yeah, Gilbert Billazekian, who was a resident theologian at Willow Creek way back when, he called himself a half-point Calvinist. I'm like, at some point. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think he affirmed that God somehow saved us. <laughs> that was about all. <laughs> Vaguely. Yeah. Um, so, that's one way to refer to it. Uh,
0: another way to say it is that they think salvation is, is a work of God in which the person doesn't contribute anything of himself to the process, except his guilt, the fact that he's a sinner. Um, Another common idea is that humanity as a whole isn't free with regard to its will, and so they'll refer to themselves as reformed based on that point. Yeah, they don't believe in man's free will. Yeah, but the other other way is just to give a proper, more precise meaning.
1: Right, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna actually walk people through, when you say reformed and and you're using it in a technical Mm -hmm. sense, um, and some people are using it like Dr. Truman, Carl Truman. He'll, he'll refer to it in its formal sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very different issue. So remember, there's, if you're listening to this, you're supposed to be asking yourself, do you consider yourself Reformed or a Calvinist? And we're going to give you an actual formal definition of that. Um, you might quibble over it uh, and say, well, to be a true Calvinist means you are Reformed. Um, And that's why we tend to say that we're reformed in our soteriology, our doctrine of salvation, but we'll push back when people try to force upon us the the term Calvinist. But if they're anti-Calvinist for whatever reason, uh, they usually aren't listening to us long enough to let us explain. Um, And. Other people who say, oh, you're not a Calvinist, they're already clicking, shutting us down, right? saying, yeah, well, well, we only listen to reform guys. But most people, I find, just don't know what the term is. And so they don't use the term properly. And so we want, hopefully, in this podcast to bring some light to this whole issue and maybe help some of the uh, forums that we frequent on Facebook and <laughs> other places as well. Yeah. Um, in fact, that rant that you did
0: on Joshua Harris. And the company, yeah. yeah. So I just, I posted the episode in one group that I'm part of, which is like, I think it's called Reform Pipe and Cigar Lounge or something like that. Uh, and it ended up turning into like 60 plus comments in the whole conversation morphed into this. Yep. You know, well, you're not really reformed.
1: They didn't and, listen to the podcast. No. They just, somehow from our title, Faith and Fable, it tells like a couple of the guys snidely says, well, I can tell from the title of their podcast they're not reformed. I'm like, how, <laughs> how can you? Yeah.
0: Sanctified rant. Or no, he ended up saying um, that he said that they're ignorant. And so then I asked him, have you listened to it? And he said, no. And I said, well, then you use that term ignorant in a very interesting way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at, at least listen ignorantly. to the episode <laughs> before you start talking. But so we're gonna walk through this and we got a few points here. So- to be Reformed, actually Reformed, capital R reform means several things, right? Yeah, we're not pulling this
1: out of the air. This is... Historic, this is, documented... It, right, right. You're yeah. reformed, truly Reformed, big R theologians. This is what they're going to hold
0: to. Yeah. So to be Reformed first means that you hold to certain confessions. Right. It's very confessional. Um, confessions like the Second Helvetic Confession, um, which is of the Swiss Reformed Church. Uh, or maybe the Belgic Confession uh, and the Heidelberg Catechism, which are part of the Dutch Reformed heritage, uh, or the Westminster Standards, which come from the
1: Presbyterian churches. Yeah. So if, if already people are saying, "Well, yeah, I'm not one of those," all right, you're That's already <laughs> yes. you're already really <laughs> stepping out of yeah. the tent. Yeah.
0: But and what's interesting is um, these confessions by people who are part of these traditions; these are binding on them. Yep. Right. Um, which is why it's very common to see. For instance, Presbyterians quoting from the Westminster Confession to prove or make a point rather than yeah. simply the biblical text, because these confessions are binding to what they believe and hold to. Yeah, I got
1: into trouble on another Facebook page called the Reform Pub, where a question was raised, and a guy just answered it, and he quoted the Westminster Confession. And I, I, I said, can you give me a text? A biblical a text. Really fast. Um, no, it's not. I mean, it, it's oh, no. <laughs> it's more it's it's more subtle than that. And one day we'll have to deal with the value of confessions because there is a real value. Uh, yeah, we have a confession. It, 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 no, it's, it's hard. Um, it's also hard, though, is that without meaning to, all of a sudden, the Westminster Confession, which the is the plans. most common one, becomes yeah. your standard. Yeah. And they would say, yes, it is our standard, trying, but says. but it never can supplant the Scripture, right. which is the whole idea between, <coughs> behind sola scriptura, which is also a misunderstood concept. Yeah. Um, a whole lot of misunderstanding goes on in the yeah. American church, but... Um, It's confessional. I I asked him to give me a text and he's like, look, it's enough for me to quote the Westminster Confession. I said, no, it's not. I said, give me a biblical text because I'm sorry, that's not convincing to me. And so then he rebuked me and then I rebuked him for his non-scriptural rebuke. And so then he told me that he was going to report me to the administrators. Of the page and have me kicked off because this is a reformed page. Yeah. Now he was technically being correct, yeah. and that's why I found out he was a Presbyterian minister, oh. and B being a Baptist minister. While well, we were already not, at loggerhead, yeah, yeah, not that, yeah. And, But it was it, it got really hot really quick because I wanted him to go to the text, yeah. so we could look at the text together, and it was sufficient for him to quote just the confession. A Westminster Confession. Very fascinating to me. So, the first one is, I mean, they're confessional through and through in some sense. The second thing that you have to be, if you're Reformed, is you have to understand that Calvin was not the man who developed what we even call Calvinism, nor is he he the one that uh, developed the Reformed doctrine. He, He had great influence, but there are a whole lot of others over time who impacted the development of that system of theology, and that's important that they understand there's a system going on there. Um, and a lot of people don't even understand their own system that they're they're talking. But you got guys like Heinrich Bullinger. Uh, he was a major player in this. And so as the Westminster Confession was being developed, it drew out upon all these different strands of teaching that went well beyond just the Swiss, movement that calvin was responsible for so realize that if you're saying well i believe what calvin believed and of course he believed what augustine i mean that's a common meme i see all the time i'm like you are being so simplistic in that and i appreciate what they're meaning but they they're not being reformed in that it's it's not correct so understand don't say well i believe what calvin believed because calvin wouldn't have been reformed in its truest sense
0: Uh, third point, reform theology is not defined by the five points or what's commonly referred to as TULIP, um, which TULIP's an acronym, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. Those are, those are the five points and typically what, what people refer to by those, um, and and trying to do that results in you revealing your own lack of knowledge or
1: your ignorance to the true reform tradition, um. Right. Now, that's it, painful to hear, maybe for you. But if you're appealing to, I believe in the tulip or five points of Calvinism, so I'm Reformed. You've already shown that you don't know what Reformed is. Right. Yeah, in the true sense. So the,
0: the, the yeah the big argument. Yeah, the the five points are are present. They are present. The ideas in there are present in what's called the canon of Dort. Um, I mean, we haven't. If you know, if if you've not looked at the canons, you should at least read them. And you realize it's not a simplistic statement. It's not just these five points no. at yeah. all. Um, and and it was written to combat actually the era of Arminianism that had risen up um, by a gathering of men in the Netherlands um, known as the Re- Remonstrants or the Remon. How do you, how do you pronounce Remonstrance. it? Remonstrants. You're gonna go Remonstrants? Have I you heard that? Some yeah. say it that way, yeah. Um, but that happened in 1610 and, and they they taught five points to which the canon of Dort rejected and taught against. Right. So, the, these, these canon of Dorts are a
1: response to Arminianism. Right. So, th- they were very limited in the canons to merely dealing with this, what they felt was a heresy that had risen up. And so, they were dealing with just those five points, but they dealt with it in a very, very complex and th- full manner. That's why a person who's never read them, they ought to. It would be beneficial. It's well done, but you will realize, oh, this is far more than what I've ever heard about the five points of Calvinism. Right.
0: And then also, the, the canon of Dort, it's important to understand, it's not a confession, either. Right. Um, and properly trained reformed people would not say that there are confessions. It's simply a clarifying work to what the confessions were at the time, Right. that, these, that the Arminians
1: were wrongly understanding. Right. Yeah. And we're still dealing with today. Right. Um, a fourth thing that Reformed theology is, is it requires you to have an assent to Pedo baptism And that's one that your Reformed Baptist will say, Well, we don't. And because what is a 1689 Confession of right. Faith, London Baptist Confession, yeah. which is a Westminster Confession. Bap- Baptist. Baptized. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's all he did. In fact, we were many, many years ago, I was trying to rework our doctrinal statement, I thought, you know what, I think I'll just use that. Yeah. But the more I went through it, there are several aspects I'm like, no, I don't agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. And I they came to a point where I like I'm like, I can't be even the yeah. 1689. Not because it's a bad confession in its overall sense, but there are too many points. And at some point it ceases to be the 1689 right. confession. So I'm like, yeah. let's just walk away from that. So if you're reformed and you believe in Believer's baptism, you're not truly reformed in the truest sense. Right. That's that's a tough one for some. Yep. Uh, fifth, reform theology,
0: true reform theology, capital R reform theology, as we're saying, views the Lord's supper and baptism as a sacrament or as sacraments, and therefore there seem to be actual mean- a means of grace right so it's not like zwingli developed where it's just a memorial right as we would understand it where jesus says do this in remembrance of me they actually understand that in baptism and the lord's supper in some way grace is being conveyed to you Mm. not in the catholic sense right um but also not in the sense of this is just a memorial there's actual grace
1: in doing these sacraments that come to you and so I remember sitting in seminary, and I just used, we, I think we were using, um, one of the books we were reading was um, Burkhoff's Theology, and he talks about the sacrament of communion. And so I used the word sacrament, and I had a couple guys jump down my throat, and they're like, you shouldn't use that. And they're right. I was annoyed, but they were right. Um, a Baptist view of the, uh, the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism is that they're ordinances. ordinances they're they're right. points right, of right. remembrance, uh, memorials. They are not conveying any sense of grace. Right. So again, do you believe it's a sacrament? Do you believe grace is being conveyed? All of these points have to be there. sixth thing that you have to hold to. Uh, Reformed theology is covenantal theology at its core. Um, And again, I hear people say all the time, well, I'm a covenant, I believe in covenant theology. But as you listen to them, you realize they don't even know what they're talking about. Um, It's the idea of viewing what's called the unity of the one covenant of grace from Adam. And some will say from Adam, uh, Abraham, but normally it's from Adam to the end, that there's this one theological covenant. It's not dealing with a biblical covenant like we want to deal with. It's dealing with a theological covenant and they, so, they would say that the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant with David, with Phineas, the new covenant, they're all actually different administrations. In fact, some will actually use the word dispensations. Right. Oh, of no. The, well, they yes, will, they yeah. will. That's very interesting. They, they're, they're all different dispensations or expressions of that one great covenant called the covenant of grace. Um, and I always laugh when I hear them use that word. <laughs> dispensation so <laughs> because it's like wow um you, you do you know what you're saying there but yeah. um so it, it's important to realize so it's not biblical um it's a theologically derived covenant that's laid over the scripture um there's a lot of things about that's attractive because it it helps you it becomes now the grid that you read your bible it's through, a system yeah. right but it is a system and that that's the part where the frustration is that when you come into reform camp, you might find a mild debate over how the how many covenants exist. Because sometimes, well, the the most common one is that there's two covenants. There's the covenant of works that was with Adam, and then when he fell in sin, now came the covenant of grace. But we're still trying to approach God through the covenant of works. Uh, But some will also argue that there is a covenant of redemption. And so you'll see uh, within the reform camp a debate over that, but it's all still dealing with these controlling theological covenants. So if you're like, I don't really understand what you just said there, then I'm telling you, you're not reformed. Right. Uh,
0: Seventh, um, truly reformed people view the thousand years mentioned in, in Revelation chapter 20 to refer to the kingdom of grace as it's called, yeah. uh, a technical phrase. Um, and essentially they understand that as that, that kingdom that's been established by Jesus at his first coming and extends all the way to his second coming. So what it doesn't mean is that the thousand years is where Jesus reigns on earth. Yeah, you wanna get people mad, mention that, Yeah, and they're all over you. So it's not a literal thousand years. Um, now there's, there's a bit of a debate in the reformed camp though not a huge one, but there are those who are called historic premillennialists. Uh, but by and large, if you're reformed, then you're you're typically
1: either a mill or post-mill. Right. What you can't be, in most people's mind, is you cannot be a premillennialist because Revelation 20 cannot... thousand years, not yeah. a literal thousand. Yeah, Correct. so it's just merely describing that time from Christ's first advent to a second advent. That's the millennial right. re- reign of Christ. Yeah. So all of, all of this means some other things, but they all tend to be applications of the, these seven points. So that's what you want to work yourself through. Um, this gets into the idea that though God's grace is free and irresistible, it's also primarily found within the church, which presents it through the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments. This is actually a hangover from yeah. Catholicism, right. I would argue. Yeah. Um, and also because of this, no Christian can rightly withdraw from the church and do their own thing, for no one can be saved apart from the church. Now, I, I don't have a problem with that. It's bound up within that the church. But when they're talking about all of this, that this is why the children and infant baptism becomes this huge issue, because right. God's primary means of evangelism and salvation is going to be coming through the administration of the, the preaching of the word, which is found in the church and the the proper uh, administration of those sacraments—that's that's the realm of grace, right? In other words, and yeah. so bring them into the church, and um, and again, I can I, I can find much to uh, that I find appealing there, but um, I, there's also points where I'm going to say no. Um, because of that, again, as I said, no one can rightly withdraw from the church and do their own thing. I, I think that's correct, but how I would go about arguing that would be different. Uh, so, baptism of infants is not like the Lutheran doctrine. They're not Reformed either. Right. Um, so, the... Presbyterian view of or Reformed view of paedo-baptism is not the same as a Lutheran understanding. Um, It says that because a church is a place where the elect are gathered, where the divine grace flows through the word and sacrament, then the children of the elect should be baptized so that they carry that sign of baptism, which is what they see is it's a sign of that covenant of grace upon themselves. It's not saving them, but merely it's acknowledging that because they're baptized and in the church, they're existing where the grace of God can work. And the result is that there's a rejection of believer's baptism as being the norm. Um, you, You don't come to faith at some point and then say, I need now be baptized. It's it's you. You were baptized as a baby in the church, treated as a believer, and at some point that faith becomes fully formed yeah. within you. And so, so with that, there's a there's
0: a strong downplay of of individual salvation uh, as opposed to sharing in the faith of the elect or this community, um, which, to be honest, is attractive sounding to me yeah. at least as well, um, because we do live in such an individualistic society where it's just about me and Jesus and our relationship. But here there's a strong emphasis on the community of believers.
1: But, right. And and yet when you go into so many of these reformed forums on Facebook and elsewhere, you will find that so many people, it's all about them anyhow. It's still, there's still a strong individualism, unless they were truly part of a confessional reformed uh, background like the Presbyterian church or right. uh, something like that. So. Yeah. So our question to you now is, we asked you at the beginning, do you think of yourself as reformed in the capital R? Um, or are you now starting to say, well, maybe I'm not, or maybe I need to rethink that? Um, I, th- I think this was kind of fun to do because yeah. I, I, I think it can be helpful to the guys.
0: Put in the comments. We want to know, are you reformed? Capital R reformed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I, I just hope that helps them. Yeah. Uh, we have so much respect for Re- Reformed Brethren. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of guys like Carl Truman. You're reading, is it Berkhoff or Berkauer right now? Berkhoff. Um, I mean, we're heavily influenced by so many of them, but we do not, at the same time, um, see ourselves fully in that camp um, so we rejoice, we find a lot of rest, though, in the reality of God's sovereignty over all things. We're not gonna ever back from that. We, we we press hard, it's God's absolute free grace working through his free will and the certainty that my salvation and yours from the beginning to the end is gonna be kept not by us, but by his sovereign uh, power yeah. and
0: pleasure. So we're okay saying we're reformed insofar as our soteriology or our
1: understanding of salvation. but. but-, but- not in everything. No. How we understand the church, which is why we did that, you know, when did the church begin? Right. And that was the only one, I think, the 1689 gang. He said, I, I didn't agree with that, but he found it was helpful. Yeah. And, you know, his his attitude was so so kind. Yeah. Um, you know, I really appreciated what they said there. And But that's showing that we're not Reformed in that sense. Our ecclesiology is going to be different. Um, even our eschatology will be different. There's other aspects that we get into that there's a divergence. And as we work through our podcasts, um, they'll they'll hear them and we'll try to make that explicit. But we hope that they can appreciate and understand that we're trying to derive this out of our scripture. Um, that no. sounds so arrogant
0: rather than a just system. a confession. Right, yeah. yeah. So you wouldn't tattoo 1689 in your hand? I
1: wouldn't, no. Oh, okay. What I, what, because I was, of yeah, Leviticus. That's what I was going right? to ask. No, I'm no not <laughs> because of Leviticus. No, just joking. Well, he showed up with t- 68 and tattooed on my fingers. <laughs> I remember listening to Sinclair <laughs> oh, Ferguson, who is oh, an—he yeah. is an incredible preacher and an incredible theologian—and um, he was talking about antinomianism, mm-hmm. those who reject the the law of God, and I disagreed with him almost every point, and I found it offensive because. He was framing it from a confessional perspective rather yeah. than a biblical perspective. And I'm like, I am not under the law. Really? Um, I am under the law of Christ. And 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 I could really see a strong difference in us and um, how we were approaching what the nature of the law is. And again, that will be a series because that's a complex, very complex, complex yeah. subject. And most people just usually don't track long enough to ever understand really what's What's that issue there? Um, so, people who are not Reformed, they say, Oh, they're antinomian. It's like, you mm. don't even know what you're talking about yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's for another podcast. So,
0: someone comes up to you and says, What are you? What do you say to them?
1: I'm a Christian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ.
1: I'm a, ba- I'm a Baptist with a Reformed soteriology. Soteriology. Yeah. Okay. So,
0: like, share, comment. Give us some feedback. If you're a Baptist, you get a mug. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We love all all
1: of our (laughs) brethren. (laughs) Yeah, ask. We'll send you a mug, maybe.